Uh, hello, welcome to a special uh, rivalry edition of Cannon Snakes in the Olympico. Um, I'm Ryan Barry. Um, hopefully, there will be some fireworks tonight. We're going to have a good time because, as many of you know, Juve, um, not Juve, Inter are playing Roma this weekend. So, Danielle, how are you feeling about the game? Nervous. <laughs> Why? One word Zanillo. All right, fair enough. Um, before we get into that, um, as many of you know, Arsenal are in the um, but also excited. Um, I, I it's it'd be nice to win a win a trophy to end our season. Um, after it's been a very very disappointing season with the second of the manager and everything. But um, I'm going to preview that. We also got um, talking about Napoli's new signing um, and how come AC Milan are doing so good. And me and Elliot will probably do our favorite thing, and that is uh, talk about how, Ma how Maldini has sent AC Milan back backwards for a few years and just will take him to get out. But nevertheless, um, we'll get started here. Um so, Danielle, could you pre how did you think Inter uh, fared this weekend against Spall, wasn't it? That was the match yesterday. Yeah, how do you think they fared? They did really well. I mean, they held them to 3-0. Well, actually 4-0. So, which would have been expected since Inter are in the top 3 where Spall is at the bottom of the table, they're getting relegated, so Yeah, I agree with that. But uh, who who was your man in the match? Who played the best, in your opinion? Alexis Sanchez. Oh, Alexis, uh, name I know very well. Um, believe it or not, I'm not one of those Arsenal fans that has any ill will against him. He was great for us. So I'm happy he he's he's finally playing better, and I'm happy it's not in the Premier League anymore. It may, it's a it's a double win for me because I really did like the guy. Uh, he won a couple trophies for us, the FA Cup. So you know, I'm very happy with him. Um, what's got you most nervous before Elliot gets on here? What has got you most nervous about the game tomorrow? Other than uh, what's, other than Zaniola, um, their momentum coming into this match. Yeah, I Inter have a good momentum going into the match too, but with Zaniolo and our back three, that's going to be a that's going to cause them problems. The only real consistent player on our defense is Stefan DeVry, whereas um, some of the others really don't, like, step up to the plate. The only way I think it would work is if they change the formation to four on the back line. But knowing Antonio Conte, he ain't going to do it. Oh, Conte. So what are your thoughts on the manager, though? Like – do you really think, like, he's going to put out, like, what would your ideal starting 11 be tomorrow? Or not even starting 11. Like, what like what changes would you make, if any, tomorrow before the game? Uh, I would probably play a 4-2-3-1, something that we haven't seen from Inter in quite a while. Um, that was more common with Luciano Spalletti. I would like to see Skriniar and DeVry in the middle, Bastoni on the left, 
and Godine on the right. In the, I call him the defensive midfield. Who would I want? I really have no clue on there. I gotcha. Um, Elliot, Elliot's joining us, I think. Yeah, How's I'm going right, Elliot. Good, pretty good. Just had to go to a different room, but we're all good. That's fine. Which room did you go to? My bedroom. <laughs> well, that's where I record all our the episodes here, so. <laughs> Uh, yep. I, I do it in my kitchen. Yep. Yeah, yeah, I'm currently sitting here re- recording while eating sushi, so yay. No, oh, that sushi sounds amazing. But I know. Nevertheless, we do have an important match to focus on tomorrow. Elliot, are you nervous for the match tomorrow? Yeah, I, I, I feel for you. It's, it's going to be a I'm, – I'm, but I'm also interested to see what will happen. But it's going gonna, it's gonna to be tough for both teams. <laughs> No, 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 no. I'm talking about uh, Roma, not Arsenal. Oh, sorry. We sorry. play Sunday. We play Sunday. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean Sunday. Are you excited for the match Sunday? I'm very confused. Let's... It's, all, it's, it's all good. It's all good. It happens to the best of us. No, I'm, I'm really excited for Sunday. I haven't felt this sort of confidence coming into a big game like this in a long time, and I'm, I, I really feel good about the game, and I think it's going to be – I think it's going to be a great contest between two great teams, one that's in better form than the other, but I digress. All right. Now, while it may be fun to have you sling mud at each other, we do have an FA Cup final, uh, semifinal to talk about tomorrow. Um, yeah, let's, and, uh, let's talk about that first, and then me and Daniel can throw mud at each other. Uh, I, I think uh, I feel more confident going in this game than any game that we've had Um at all, probably in the past three, uh, two seasons at least. Um, genuinely, or no, I don't think. You know, do I think we'll win? Probably not. But do I think we'll put in a performance? Absolutely. Um, I think these players finally realize that Arteta's the real deal. Um, because with the last few years of Venga, and especially with Emery, there's no way to that any Arsenal team would have been able to beat that Liverpool team we saw um, when we won the, earlier this week, two to one. Um, I think. Um, I think we'll ultimately – I'm not going to give a score prediction. I think ultimately it will be a one-goal one game, though. Um, if I was Arteta, I'd stick to the same back three with Tierney, um, Louise, and Holding. Um, in my midfield, I'd have to go with uh, Saka, Jaka, Sabias, and Hector Bellerin. And up front, you got to – of course, you got to start Lacazette in the middle. And then on um, – is both besides you put Pepe and Abamian, obviously, and Martinez in goal. And I think that's our best lineup in order to get the result against uh, Manchester City, um, who are probably looking to gain a ton of momentum before going into the Champions League um, uh, quarterfinals or round of 16. So we'll see. It should be an interesting match. Um, I, I think uh, I, I think we'll play well tomorrow, though. I, I think we do have a chance. Uh, if if we would uh, would have came out of the Liverpool game differently, I, I would say that we had no chance whatsoever. But I, I do believe we have a chance tomorrow. Um, I, I firmly believe in Mikel Arteta. Um, I think if we he gets the right amount of transfer budget, we we will we'll turn things around. But I am patient, so I, I'm just excited, cautiously optimistic for tomorrow. No, I, you should be because Liverpool have just won the Premier League, walked it, and you can say what whether or not Liverpool took their eyes off the ball or whatever. But that was still a, a really good Liverpool squad that they put out. 
on on that um, on, in that game. So I think I think you have a, you have reasons to to be um, to be positive about. Yeah. Um, anyway. So. Yeah. All right. Who's gonna win on uh on Sunday, uh, Ali? And I'll start with you. Roman's gonna win on Sunday because here's the thing, right? So Inter just picked up um, a massive three points on the the mighty Brescia, who's who's scaring every team in the league this season. Now they're they're getting relegated. The mo- it's uh, Inter got the we momentum. played ball yesterday. Oh, well, you know what I mean. Sorry. So you played ball and then you played Brescia before that. Their last two wins have come against. Um, two teams that aren't threatening anybody. Um, so the thing is, Inter has the momentum right now and fair play to them. They don't have the momentum Roma has because Roma's beating two quality opponents in uh, Parma and um, uh, and Verona, who, even though they're not in the best form, they're, they're a good team. And you watch those guys play. They, they, they put up a fight in every game. And Inter just played them and didn't – get as good of a performance as we did and so there's all you take all those things into consideration and then Lukaku's not playing which is you know you can say what you want about the big games um it just he puts fear into a back line he really does and and with him out of there you're probably looking at Martinez who we've discussed is he is he really in it 100% right now or maybe he's he's his eyes or, or his mind is in Barcelona or Man City or whatever um, and then you have Alexis Sanchez, and while he's been playing great recently, he's he has disappeared in games, and you're not going to feel – Roma is not going to feel threatened by those two players. With Lukaku in the lineup, it's a different story. And I'm not saying Inter won't win the game or can't win the game, but based on the fact that Roma's momentum is more valuable right now and Inter are without their best goal scorer and um, – and, and, and since going to the back three, Fonseca has adjusted something that Conte has not done or won't do or refuses to do, whatever you want to say. Since that, the only game they've lost is to Napoli. And the only reason they lost to Napoli is because uh, an, an unsavable goal by Lorenzo Insigne. So you take, that all, you take all those things into consideration. Uh, Pellegrini is going to be fit. Uh, Chris Mullins coming back. And last time these two teams played, Chris Mullins pocketed the most dangerous part of Inter's attack. And then Jekyll had a bunch of chances in, in the last game. He scored, but I feel like it's going to open up the game for him. And the back three is the key, though, because um, Inter's back line isn't great. Um, outside of DeVry, I don't see Inter can be scared. Sorry, Roma can be scared of, of that. And even though Bastoni's playing, He's flat and simple. He's a talented player. He's not. He's not as def- He's not better than Abanias. And I know Abanias has only played uh, just a small amount, just like just like um, Bastoni. But Abanias is defensive. He is a animal. The way he goes into tackles and and, and reads the defense, and he's he's physical. He's he's strong and and quick. And Bastoni, who I, who I rate, and I think is an excellent player. I think he's going to struggle, especially – and this is the deal breaker, and then I'm going to let Daniel take over. Nicola Daniel may start. And if you remember, Inter, think Inter allowed him to leave, meaning they didn't fully believe in him, meaning Daniel is going to have a point to prove, and he's at like 70%. And if he starts his game, 
there's going to be a whole different level of mo- motivation going to this. So I think it's going to be a close game, but I think intro, I think Romo will win this game. All right, fair enough. Um, Danielle, what's your take? You know what? I actually am going to agree with Elliot because he's right. Martinez, we can't really trust him right now because we all know his mind is elsewhere, whether it's Barcelona or Manchester City. We know he's not going to fully be paying attention to what he needs to be doing. Um, I actually am hearing rumors that Lukaku might start, but I'm highly doubting it. He won't be 100%, though. That's the point. But Yeah. Mm. All right. As you were saying, Danielle. Where did I leave off before I got cut? Uh, you were talking about how you're agreeing with Elliot. Oh, I, I must have accidentally turned off my phone when she stopped the recording. Oops. My bad. You're good. Okay. Um, like Elliot was saying, yeah, Inter have the momentum going into this match, but they were against relegation sides who have nothing to fight for, and it was it's like one of those situations where Roma's momentum, on the other hand, is coming off opponents that we struggle to get the job done against. Um, like it, uh, we all, I, you guys already got the part about Martinez and Lukaku. Are I am the back line. I mean, with Zanillo coming into the match having something to prove, he's the one that terrifies me the most because he used to play for us, but we let him go for $2 million. I mean... As you were saying about Roma and their momentum? Oh, now where are we again? Uh, how, what we, you're talking about Roma and their momentum. Yeah, Roma has their momentum coming from teams that Inter had the hard time getting the job done against or he didn't even make a dent. Whereas we just we're coming into the match against two relegation sides who have not who are like basically done and it was to be expected with those results. Our back three is Fadi at best. I mean, Godin, I mean, yeah, you scored a goal in the match against Fall. What do you do? But you're a trash defender. Sorry. Um, but Stoney has improved, but he's not uh, what, like where he needs to be because he's still young, but he's developing. But we need people in our defense who will show quality. Um, and of course, with Zaniello. Oh my gosh, he's going to be way more fit than he was in the his the previous match where he came out as a substitute. Yeah, he it, he's gonna be, he's going to be causing hell of issues for Inter's back can line. I, and um, with, Daniel, don't mean cut. Can I ask you a question about the defense really quick? Do, do you rate Do, do you rate Bastoni defensively? Because we all know he can push forward. He sort of reminds me of Inter Milan uh, Theo Hernandez, where defensively. Doesn't always click, but going forward, he's a weapon. So, if he starts, how concerned are you with with that aspect of it? I mean, with Bestoni, I mean, yeah, he's not as strong defensively, but when it comes to getting the ball forward, he actually does a really good job. So, I mean, I actually 
rate him as a good one of our better defenders. That in Devry, Devry is just a, is is one of the more consistent defenders than Milan Skriniar and Godin. So I mean, with him, we have that possibility of doing well. But in the at the end of the day, I actually do. It'll be a close match, as you said, and I do see Roma coming out on top because you guys are coming off hell of a momentum against teams we struggled against. And that's saying something on how bad Inter is. If we can't get the job done with those teams and with your momentum, it's just going to be crazy. No, I, I agree completely because you you, bear, you beat Parma, but that was a game where you shouldn't have. I mean, you know it was, I, mean? I mean, we shouldn't have gotten that far back. I mean, yeah, come on. Yeah, and then Verona, they had no shots all game, and then they scored in their only two, so. I think just just purely on momentum, Roma having beaten those teams is going to come in because I know you guys beat Spawn. I know you guys beat Brescia. And getting the three points is important because it gives you momentum. It's just the, 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 my concern would be for Inter is they don't have the momentum Roma has because Roma in those games probably should have scored more but maybe left some goals on the table. In the, in the previous game, they left two on the table. Still in the morning, but – we know how good Verona is and how tough they can be. So it's just like, I feel like that momentum. But let me ask you this. If Inter, if Inter wins this game, what needs to happen? Well, if Alexis Sanchez ends up playing and he does very well against Roma, I say they need to sign him ASAP. Because, I mean, yeah, he's disappeared in matches, but even when he isn't scoring... He's making himself known. I mean, he's helped with assisting some of the other players' goals, which is huge. He's also played also in a defensive role as well. So he would need to be signed to a full contract so we can, we can get the best of what he has to offer. Um, maybe... Oh, let's see. Varela's back, I think, this week too. So that's another thing to consider. Thank God. Thank you, God, because I love Barella. I'm actually, once, like I said, once I get my 20 off, euro off voucher during my birthday, I'm getting a Barella top. I don't care if I end up looking ugly and how terrible they look this year. <laughs> One looks like a picnic blanket. So what, what, <laughs> what kind of differences can he make, in, in, especially in this game? Um... Remember, I th- I'm trying to remember which match it Parma. was. Parma. He was the only player actually doing something. While, while, and there was nobody there to respond to his, like, a bit, um, assist. There was nobody surrounding him, trying to help him get the goals that we desperately needed to get those points. Um... He is he's really quick and agile. He's good at reading where the ball needs to go and getting it to that particular player. I mean, he's just an all around and defensive wise, he can also he's also good at intercepting the ball and getting it and setting up strong counterattacks, which is amazing to see. I mean, like I said, Barella, I'm sorry. Yeah, I hear you. I think I but like I go ahead. Sorry. Like I said, in this case, 
I wasn't even going to argue because I know that you're right on no, this. No, I, I just want to add one more thing because I think Varela's the important part. That's like when I when I uh, when we beat Verona and I knew and I knew Varela was out. I'm like, yeah, three nil win. Let's do this. When when I heard today that he's coming back, I, I just, I'm so confident we'll get the job done. But I'm less confident because of this. And I think I just want to add one more thing uh, before we move on. But um, my thing is with this is Varela, as you said, is great defensively and is good. He's, he's great at distributing. Um, and whether or not whoever's up there converts them is one thing. But I think the problem they're going to have is they can't, I guess, penetrate that advantage in the opposite way because you got one in your midfield that is great defensively and good at distributing. Roma have two. So as long as if they start Verut and uh, Diora together, it's, I think it's going to close gaps. And then there's one other thing I think I want to mention before we move on is is Chris Smalling might be. Is that that going to go? Oh, sorry. So Chris Smalling's coming back. Who does? Who did Alexis Sanchez play for? Man United. Who did Chris Smalling play for? Man United. They know each other. Man United. And if you if you realize in the first game when we drew with you guys at the San Siro, a Man United t- defender stopped a Man United attacker in Lukaku. So if 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 he can somehow get an advantage there, I think it's huge. But again, I think since the back three, especially with the Banyas, if he can play like he has the last couple of weeks, I think it's going to be a tough game. I think Roma will win it, but. At this point, even a point for Roma would be a huge result. Where Inter, if they got a point, it would it would be more lost. Oh dang it! I knew I was forgetting something when I was. My hydrocortisone cream, just in case. <laughs> All right, fair enough. So, score prediction. Danny, you go first. Roma two one. Uh, all right, I, I say 3-1 Roma. I think 2-1 most of the game, and then late, off the bench, Daniel makes the goal. Uh, can I give my prediction? Yeah, go ahead. Of course. 2-2. Two, two. I'll take that. Yeah, I, I'd accept it too. I'd say 2-2 two, two draw. All right, uh, I, next question. Uh, watch on the verge of breaking – 100 goals for the first time since 1951. Um, what what do you make of it, or are they still in the title race? Daniel, you take this one first. I got to think. What was the question? Or, or what do you think of Atlanta um, about to score 100 goals as a team this season, and do you think they're still in the title race? Oh, that's a good. Uh, those are two good questions. I first to answer the goal question. That's huge. I mean, most people wouldn't see Atalanta do that. But to see them on the cusp of breaking 100 goals as a team is absolutely amazing. In regards to the second part of the question, um, do I think they're still in the title race? I think they could be, but... I mean, Juventus, the, so far, one of their next matches, that's going to be kind of tough. I think they have Lazio this week. Yeah, I think you're right. 
Yeah, so that'll be a tough match for them. But, I mean, let's be honest. Lazio have been steaming hot garbage since the restart. Um, But, although that they're still performing well, though, but um, they just lost their momentum during the break. Um, Juventus, if they focus and Zari can actually do what is needed, they should win that match. I mean, it'll be hard to catch Juventus at this point, but they are one of the teams that is more closer to the title race than any of the other teams in the top four right now. All so right. I'm, I'm going to respond to that in a second, but I just want to ask you one more question. So Alonso, if they score two more goals this season, they will have the second highest goal scoring record in the history of Italian football. We, we, wow. we all know that the Grande Torino team has the, has the record at 125. With five games left, needing 30-odd goals, do you think they can break it? I, if they can, if they pull it off, that'd be huge. But do I think they'll meet it? There's a high possibility they can, but realist, I'm going to go realistic. It'll be tough. Yeah. No, I, I'm with you on that. Um, they would need. Do they have any like? Do they have any like top five opponents coming up? I don't think so. But here's here's. Wait, yeah, they've they won. They've entered at the last game of the season, but hey, so he, get me some alcohol. Here's here's the, here's the thing, right? So they mathematically it's possible, but they would need to base if they would need to score about five and a half a game for the rest of the season to do it. They need about thirty two goals, and they're at like ninety something right now. So all right, to, to just so to, to just react to Daniel said, um, I don't think they break it on that front. Um, are they in the title race? They still are. And the reason is all Juventus needs to do is lose. And for me, I don't think Atlanta's after what happened in the Juventus game, they're not losing the rest of the season. They're going to win every game until, until there, there's no games left. So I think they'll pick up maximum points and, but they would need help. So if, the, if Juventus loses this week and, uh, and Atlanta wins, it would only be four points. So all Juve would need to do is drop again for them to do it. And I don't think they're going to win the league, but I think, I think it's, I think they, I think they're still in it, at least for the time being. If by in the next two games, if it's still like four points, I think it's over. But if, if things stay this way, they are with Juventus not playing well and Atlanta putting six goals past people. I think it's, it's highly likely that they're still in the race, but I think in the longevity of this, um, I'm just not sure this, there's enough games left for them to, to really come back. But if they do this, if they, if they, against the odds, win the title, this is the greatest story of all time. Uh, can, I, can I say something? Yeah, go ahead. If they went out and steamrolled everybody, they're easily my favorite to win the Champions League. Oh, yeah, no question. Because they'll, no, they'll have almost no time off. They'll still be in a rhythm. And I think they can go in the Champions League and absolutely steamroll everybody. Yeah, I think even if that doesn't happen, if they fall short by like two points, then I'm picking them to win the Champions League with all my money. Because the because yeah. this thing is with the, the penalty game against Juventus, if they fall exactly that many – like that game short of points and they get second, and let's just say that Juventus wins the league 
and you, uh, sorry, Alonso's three out for them, they're going to use that as fire because in their mind, they'll probably be mentally thinking the only reason we didn't win the league is because they got those two penalties. So I think that will take them into the Champions League and then it's over. But if, you know, I, th- I think they're, they're high favorites anyways. Yeah, I, I hope uh, they get to play Byron because I really want to see that defense versus that offense. Oh yeah, that would be incredible. I I think they're I, I think they're ripping apart PSG personally. Oh yeah, there's no not a doubt about PSG hasn't played a, an actual competitive match in since March. Yeah, I mean yep. we could be dead wrong. Yeah, but I I don't. Right, all it takes is one missed time pass by PSG from Gomez to Zabata one nil, and then once that happens, it's over. That's the way I feel mm. about it, at least. Yeah. Mm. All right. Um, Na- Napoli, uh, could you tell us about the kid they signed for $60 million? Yeah. Um, sure. Uh, so, so Napoli are, um, are in negotiations for uh, this kid at, at Lille. Um, he, he's really young. Uh, a lot of people are somewhat uh, comparing him to Pepe at Arsenal. Um, not in a negative way, but just in sort of the – he had a lot of promise coming out. Um, so, Osman, I think is his name. He, uh, he had 21 goals this season, if I'm not mistaken. I know that his team his team is in a, in a European place. Um, and I think Napoli – so, this is what's going to happen in Napoli. Napoli, Milik is gone next season for sure. I don't know if it's U of A. I don't know where it's going to be. Maybe it's Roma, maybe it's Inter. He's someone's going to take him because I think Napoli are pretty much done with Merton or not Mertens, um, Milik. Not in a bad way, but they're just moving on. Um, and in addition to that, you bring in Milik is an older age. He's very injury prone. Um, this kid in in France has been scoring goals like crazy. We may on this show we might not rank the French league highest standard, um, but he has the quality. You just watch this, the the film and the tape of what he's capable of. Um, and he can get them goals. And if, if he can get them, I don't know, goals next season, Napoli will be in a real title race because I don't think that team is that far away. They have Fabian Ruiz in the midfield. They still have – they'll still have Insigne. They'll still have Mertens. Um, they'll have Merritt and Ospina as goalkeeping choices. Uh, Koulibaly maybe won't be there, but if he's still there next season, um, it's basically the only thing they're missing. If they could get – him to come to Syria and be like a legit goal scorer from the jump, uh, I think they'll be in a very healthy title race next season. All right. Um, very good on that, that front. Um, I'm excited to see it. Uh, I, I hope he, um, I don't know, I don't rate the French league, but maybe coming over to a more attacking style league for the kid. Um, yeah. I think, I think, just real quick, I think the price tag's insane. I wouldn't pay that much for him, but but Napoli have to because that's what they need. Yeah. Uh, do you guys – and I'll start. Um, I kind of like the five substitution thing so far. And I know it's staying. I mean, I know people – I think it, it makes the game more strategic and gives the managers more options. And you can actually play your kids in a league game to see what you got. You know what I mean? Um uh, now, obviously, I think it's going to go away after next after next season. I don't think it's permanent, but um, I, for so far, for what it's happening, especially with like COVID and everything, and like precautions, but also like the health and safety of players because they are playing two times a week. Um, I kind of like it. What about you guys? 
what are your thoughts on yeah, it staying on? First, I got to think about this. I actually don't mind it, at least through next season, just so you can see, because a lot of these players are going, are all the uh, unless you're France who have the upper hand because they decided to cancel their league during the pandemic, um, the other le- leagues decided to keep going, and they're going to be tired. There's going to be players fatigued, and if you constantly keep playing the same players, there's gonna there you're risking injury of these people. And you're also looking at a lot of what's the word I wanna figure it out. Hang on. Please hold on, my brain actually tries to think. I'm running on only four hours of sleep. Um I mean you're gonna see a lot of like I said, fatigue, possible injuries and stuff. So having the substitute five substitutions is going to keep the players more fresh and well rested, and it'll give a chance to like as you just said, Ryan, a chance for the younger players or the people who don't get to start as much get a chance to see if what they have has potential. So I think it'll benefit the teams well. All right. All right, uh, um, we don't dis- the three of us don't disagree on, on very many things or so. I don't like it, and I get what you guys are saying with obviously trying to preserve injuries and trying to see what you. I really liked Ryan's point about how using five subs will help a manager figure out what th- their best team is. Um, but I feel like, and I and, and this is just based on what I've seen so far. I think it slows the game down a little too much for me. Um, maybe they could do like three subs and they get an extra two if an injury occurs or something, if they run out of subs and they don't have any, they should allow another player to come on in those situations. But I I just think, and obviously they've had to do this and they probably have to do it next year. So I don't mind it next year, but long-term I'm just not with it because I just feel like the game is, is being slowed down a little, a little too much for my taste. And now we're seeing, stoppage time go into the you know from from seven minutes to 11 minutes because of the time that's being constrained from from all these different changes and i can try to limit that with they can only do it in three separate um chances but uh for me I, it's just I, i'm not a big fan of it but again they have to do this at least for the temporary but i think long term i i it wouldn't be something i would vote for yeah, I, I totally disagree that it slows the game down. I mean, can I make this point? Yeah, go ahead. Um, I think more stoppage – I love stoppage time. I think stoppage time goals are the most exciting. And I don't think it's the sub slowing it down. I think it's the two water breaks they have to take a half, which take about five minutes, you know. You have to add that time on back on, you know what I mean, so you can play the full 45. I think once the water breaks go away next year, which they probably will, I, I think, Elliot, you'll, you'll see we'll be going back to like five or six-minute injury time instead. Of the 10 to yeah. 11. Okay, that's fair. I think that's a fair point. Just, I don't know. I don't, I get what you're saying. And I'll, I'll, stoppage time goals are the best. But the best stoppage time goals yeah. are quick. I'm not, not quick stoppage time goals, but but I like five minutes max for personally. And obviously, sometimes I have to add it longer um, because it, I just find it annoying when um, uh, last year the season had two of these goals in like the eighth minute of stoppage time when it just seemed like they were piling it on was it was unnecessary to do so um, and things like that. But um, if they cut out the water breaks, 
because I'm I'm just I get that they're thirsty and stuff, but that just seems maybe this is a whole this maybe this is about water breaks more so than than subs. But the water breaks, it's, they just seem to take too long, and to just stop in the middle of the game, it, it just I don't know. It's just not something I'm, I'm with. But well, here's the, here's the thing about that, and I'll explain it. They're not used to those temperatures playing in Europe because, as we know, they play through the winter. No, hundred percent. So I understand it. But the MLS doing it makes me roll my eyes because it's like most of the players are here and they, you know, they know they're playing through the summer in the United States, which no matter where you go is hot. So that, that, that's the only water breaks that have made me like really roll my eyes. I'm like, come on. You know what I mean? No, totally. And I get, I get what you're saying and I get that they have to do that. Um, But I don't know. It's just, it's just so unnatural because I mean, I've watched football a long time and I've rarely seen water breaks like that. And I don't know. I just think it just doesn't make sense to stop the game in the middle of the thing and doing it. But obviously, this has to do with the incredible and the insane uh, water. Uh, I mean, sorry, the weather conditions and stuff. So I get it. But um, I don't know. The, the, the five sub thing I just but had to think about. Now, That's all. Gotcha. But I will say this to close out this argument um, in our, uh, or discussion. This has made me remember when I said I think the season in Europe should go from February to, to November. Yeah. I. Somebody, somebody hit me over the head for saying that, because this is what would have to happen for like the first couple seasons: water breaks and everything. You know, like it's it it shows that the sport's better to be played in the winter because it's an endurance sport. You know what I mean? Where they can play the full ninety without having to stop. Right. No, that makes total sense. Yeah. All right. Well, um, Elliot, um, I do want to get your point, and then we'll go, um. Uh, then we'll talk um, about Roma's um, AC Milan and, and Roma's chase. Um, but so the MLS is back tournament. Yep. The Seattle and Atlanta are probably going home and not even making it out of the group stage. Give me your thought. Thought. Why did they think this was a good idea? Because you're you literally are about to lose two of your top four teams. I mean, it, we've talked we've talked off off a podcast about this. I thought it was a horrible deal, a terrible idea from the very, very beginning of this. It just didn't make sense. Look, you want to make the argument that the NBA needs to do this? I, I get that because they played, I don't know, 60, 70 games already. They can't just stop the season and, you know, and they have to have a solution. They have to be in Orlando and they have to do this NBA playing thing, right? And I get that. And you can say what you want about if, if there would be an asterisk attached to whoever wins the title. Um, unless it's like the Kings or something um, or the Suns, then I think I think we're, we're fine there. So I get why the NBA did it, but the MLS, it made no sense to do this. If you want to do something, restart the season or cancel it. This, so whoever wins the title this season, it's is an asterisk attached to it because, and here's why. So you have teams like Seattle Atlanta, two of the best teams, who maybe just caught a cold streak or bad form and are, are going home. And then you have teams that are really bad that just happen to be like Cincinnati. Cincinnati might be able to make it out. Sorry yeah, to interrupt. That's not okay. This, this, they should have just like yeah. for me. They should have just canceled. They were okay. So it wasn't like they played twenty five games and then they switched over. It was they've they they had, I don't know, three there one three game. one game. Every team played one game. Okay, so everyone played one. I thought it was three games, but some teams some teams haven't played a game yet. Hadn't even played a game yet, Elliot. So my thing is about that is just cancel the season. This isn't solving anything. This isn't proving that they were the best team. And if Cincinnati by 
stretch of imagination wins the whole thing, are those players really going to to look back on their careers 10 years from now and thinking, oh, remember the time when we won the MLS whatever? Because it wasn't, it wasn't justified. And whoever wins this is probably – I mean, I don't think it's fair play if they win it, but I don't know if it'll be totally deserved because th- the thing about this is – this isn't this isn't this isn't the NBA. They played three games. They played one game. Some teams didn't play any games. So your 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 point is you're you're taking all this stuff and putting them together in this tournament for them to figure out a champion. You don't need to figure out a champion. You didn't play barely any games. And just so two two things could have happened. They could have canceled the season, which in my opinion was the right move, would have been the right move, or they restart the season in Orlando from scratch and they're there for a few months. And then when, when it's okay to open things up again, then you bring it back here. So I think this has been a joke by the the MLS. And um, I think over historically over the last few years, they've done a good job of a lot of things. I don't know where their mind, I don't know where their mind at was that I just can't wrap my head around what it must've been like in those meetings, determining that this was the bright solution. Somebody would have had to step up and say, well, actually, this makes literally no sense, but go ahead. Um, so it's, it's just been frustrating because, you I mean, you have to think when they're making these decisions, there's not just one person in the room. There has to be even like a person, one human being that thought, you know what? Now that you're saying it out loud, this sounds like a really horrible idea. Let's just you know cancel the season. And maybe there were people like that, but. I just think this has been a disaster from the very beginning and having watched some of it, it's not justifying anything because it's not, it, whoever wins this thing, it's not the true story of what happened this season. Whoever wins could be yeah. a liar. Not like they lied about something, but it's, it's not the, tr- the true reflection of what went down in MLS soccer this season. All right. Do you want to hear my opinion about yeah, it? Right. I would have had every team play down in Orlando because the conflict is huge and had a 15 game schedule. Because at least with 15 games, you know, you and MLS is playoffs. At least with 15 games, if you start off with like a bad run of form of like, let's say, four, even five games, you could turn it around and win seven of your next 10 and be completely fine, you know? But the three games World Cup style tournament, it's not showing me anything. Yeah. Some you leagues know? even are, are not European, but there are leagues that play around that much, that play like 20, 22 games or something. You know what I mean? So that wouldn't be an unfair, it wouldn't yeah. be unreasonable. And then we'd have a true reflection of, of what went down. Because if Cincinnati wins it or I don't know, um, Montreal wins it, these aren't good teams. Um, it won't mean as much because it wasn't a proof. Because when you win these tournaments, especially in the American format, it's about we were the best team. We were, you know, we, we got, you know, we, we got our seed. We knocked out all these great teams in the playoffs and we won the cup. You can't make that argument when you haven't played at all, really, other than the few games. And you just get a little lucky and get fired, you know. And the difference between the league format is we've seen Atlanta, Bayern, PSG, um, Atletico Madrid play all season. They've, they've earned their places where they are, and all of these teams are champions in one way or another. So them doing the Champions League in this way, I just – I don't know. I just think that that you you can make an argument like okay that makes sense, but with the MLS, I, I just don't know where their where minds were at when they made up this this idea because it doesn't truly reflect what happened. Yeah. All right. Fair enough. Um. I totally agree with you. 
But um, before we get into your um, Elliot's new segment, um, and Elliot has a player to defend as well, I'd like to ask Danielle and Elliot, AC Milan are on fire recently. Is this a good reflection of things to come, or do you think it's just a flash Danielle. in the pan? Danielle, I'll start yeah, I want with to hear you first. Oh, sorry. Uh, while you guys were talking about that, I was closing my eyes for a little bit. Um, let's see. I think it's a reflection of things to come. I mean, if they're they were able, I mean, they were struggling at the start of the season. Don't get me wrong. We all saw that they were having a hard time getting any momentum going. But as of lately, they t- seem to have turned things around and maybe if they are able to take this momentum that they have and make any necessary key changes, they have a bright future as much as I hate to say it, but they will become a, probably become a threat again, even if they start securing Europa League. I mean, there's nothing holding them back at this point. If they keep their eye on the prize and what they're, they need to do, they'll be a real Can threat. Can I ask you something, uh, Daniel? Uh, sure. and I'm just asking this because I think it's relative to what we're talking about. If the Milan Derby was next week, do you think they'd beat you? And I'm not doing this to try to hurt your feelings or anything like that. But I think it, we're just trying to highlight, you know, the momentum part of it. If we were playing the Milan Derby, would Inter have a chance? No, not would a chance. I think both teams would have a chance because it's a derby. But on current form and how they're playing and how versus you're playing, if you were to play them, maybe not, maybe in two weeks, do you think they'd beat you? Or do you think they would have a good chance of, of beating you? They'd actually have a good chance. Okay, that's fair. Um, I guess they'll answer this. They're on fire right now. I uh, I don't like this because Roma's whole thing is all we got to do is, you know, beat, you know, be in front of Inter Milan or something, I don't know, AC Milan, and they just keep doing it. And they're still starting Old Miles Lockdown, which I do not understand because one of their best young players is sitting on the bench every single game um, and then coming off the bench and doing great things. But that, that's besides the point. They, they've they struggled this, this season with mentality. And as much as we ripped Zlatan Ibrahimovic for the move that, that was made for him, he's changed part of it. Um, and I don't appreciate him, you know – falling over and, and demanding penalties when it was clearly not a penalty and things like that, that, you know, that we witnessed this weekend, but you know, his mental part of it allowed in, uh, sorry, allowed AC Milan to be in better um, uh, position to do this. And they're looking good right now. And they deserve Europa League football next season. They really do. And I think if they were in the competition now, they would be a serious threat to, to uh, not, maybe not win it, but go deep. Um, and, and, and the thing is, uh, and I think Daniel can attest to this, Frank Cassie is such a good player. Mm-hmm. Like, and I'll, I'll do respect to Cristante, but, like, when I watched the game, the, the, just recently, the last few games, I'm like, so you're telling me Cristante and Cassie were at Atlanta at the same time, and we could have had that one for cheaper, for $25 million? I'm like, okay, thank you. Um, so it's just, it's just, it's just one of those things where it's like, he's he's been a great player for a long time, and it's not like it's sort of like the way we talked about Dybala. He's not scoring a ton of goals or a ton of assists, but the way he controls the midfield changes everything. And he's probably the best player at Milan this season. 
And to see him flourish is only going to make Milan's transfer policy now that they've sort of fixed their their brain of, of the project. They're going to give bigger players to come, come to Milan. It may not be as luxurious, uh, but they're just on fire right now. And, and I don't know if they're going to be slowing down before the end of the season. All right. Um, fair enough. Um, Elliot, uh, you have somebody you want to defend? Yeah. All right. Um, so we all know Ajax. Um, the Ajax is, you know, awesome Champions League run last year. Um, one of the best underdog stories we've seen in the last couple of years. Um, one of the key parts of that team was Matthias DeLitt, who now plays for Juventus. He makes this massive, I think it was $75 million, the same price as Van Dijk moved to Juventus. Uh, there's a lot of questions, a lot of eyes, struggles early, and there's a few games in the beginning where it, it just looked like he was going to have difficulty adapting to Italian football because we've seen big stars come from other leagues and come to, to Italy and not, not have success. Um, but since, since, the, since a, f- a few mishaps at the beginning of the, game, at the, beginning of the season, he's been probably – and um, I would say Dubrai and uh, DeLitt have been the two best center backs – in the league this season, I don't know if anyone—I I don't know if everyone else agrees with that, but I, I think that's pretty clear to me. Um, and the thing is, you see, you have, people are are remembering these these little moments of the beginning of the season and completely ignoring that he's been the best defender at Juventus all season with a team with Manucci and Cicciolini. Um, and the thing is, with everything that he's done, he's adapted really quickly. He struggled early, but he, he adapted. And then been, he's been so important. Dabala is probably the most important player of this team. Outside of Dabala, DeLitt might have been the second best player, even over Ronaldo. I, you want to say Ronaldo was second? I, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna argue with you. But he was. He's been one of the most important pieces of this team. And then, so, so all the people who watch Italian football or regularly are seeing how great he is. And then, but now, now you see on, on some pundits around and on different. A Premier League, a La Liga uh, a journalist calling him a flop, which just for me proves an unbelievable ignorance of Italian football. Just like the guy who said Alanta was struggling to start the to since the restart, which this guy clearly never watches him play. Um, but for me, I think it's utterly ridiculous um, for anybody to even consider him a flop because I've heard words like he flopped or he was average or he was okay but not great. He's been a fantastic all season, and I think I just I just felt the need to, to sort of express that because he's a Juventus player. They're probably going to win the league. I'm not a big fan of Juventus, whatever, but, like, he's been so good for them, and without him, you see the difference in how they defend. They're conceding twice as many goals when he's not in the lineup, and I just think he's one of the best players this season. I think this whole flop is just – egregiously stupid that, that that's even being attached to his name because of two mistakes at the beginning of the season. All right. Um, very good. Um, Elliot, uh, you have a new segment called Fair Foul. Would you like to explain it? All right. So here's – hold on. I just got to find my paper. Uh, got to find my other paper. All right. We're here. We're here. All right. Um. We're doing fair or foul now. As soon as Elliot gets on, Danielle, have you heard anything about the segment? 
Yes, I did. I, I, I'm excited for this. So what we do in Fair Foul, folks, is Elliot's going to give us an opinion. And pretty much we're going to tell him if he's fair or foul. Um, so pretty much if he's um, if the opinion's great or if he's making an egregious uh, uh, take. Yeah, that's all we that's that's what I got. So, yeah. Um, also, Danielle, while um, Elliot's not here, I do have something to tell you. Oh, God, what? But uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna pull for it on Sunday. That just made myself smile because this week has been the week pretty much from hell. Um, has you? I've lo- recently lost my job at Panera. Yep. And my guy, he was supposed to wrestle the show in Alabama, and he's one of those people where his word is his bond. And if he says he's going to do something, he's going to do it. Um, but unfortunately, his ride to the event, he ended up sick. And he feels like trash that he's not able to. But And I actually have. He was so upset that he wasn't even eating or drinking yesterday. I actually had to force him to at least drink something. So... With him struggling, me struggling, it's just just hearing that just made me smile a little bit. Well, I'm glad, and I hope it's a good match for everybody. You know, I know everybody, you said it, everybody out there is, like, really trying to pull through in these difficult times. So, hopefully the match is, match is great. All right, I'm going to go find Elliot now. I'll be back, and then we'll do the segment. Sound good? Sounds like a plan. Yep. All right, um, so we're about to do our new segment. It's, ladies and gentlemen, it's called um, uh, Fair or Foul. As soon as Elliot gets back on, we'll uh, tell you about it. Um, what's basically going on is he's going to give us one of his takes, and I'm going to – me and Danielle are going to say if it's fair or foul. And nine times out of ten, we agree it's going to be fair. But we'll see what he says about the Premier League or other leagues that um, outside of Syria – That sound good? I'm excited. Nice. No, um, for sure. And big game tomorrow, big game Sunday. I mean, I know we keep saying that, but that, that is the facts. And for your sanity, I will be polling for Arsenal on tomorrow. Thank you. I really appreciate that. All right, um, Elliot. What is your fair or foul topics today? All right. So basically, guys, um, every week I'm going to give an opinion. It's not necessarily mine. It's just a hot take. I may agree or disagree with it. If you agree with the opinion, you say fair and just have a few words to say. If you think it's totally wrong, foul. So I have three today. Um, Ryan, one is in regards to past football. So Daniel probably won't be the answer that one. Um, so I'm going to start with one that we can all answer. Do you guys uh, – statement, sorry. Uh, Atlanta would win La Liga. Fair or foul? Fair. This has probably been the worst year full of Liga I've ever seen. Barca's down. Real Madrid's down. Atletico's down. Sevilla was okay. Valencia was a total dumpster fire this year and disaster. <laughs> I mean, you know, I mean, tell me I'm wrong. Um, so yeah, absolutely fair. Yep. 
Danielle, fair or foul? I would say fair because, I mean, we it's been a really – has Ryan just had a difficult season for La Liga. I mean, without Lionel Messi, Barcelona, we all know, would be trash. Real Madrid has been struggling. I mean, it's it's just a crazy time. Of, we're living in crazy times, people. Today, pretty much hell just froze over because Leeds United just got promoted. Holy crud. Which means the world's coming to an end. Yes, the world's coming to an end. So everybody, say, do whatever you need to do. Have fun. <laughs> so out of curiosity, in this season, how many points clear do you think Atlanta would win by? Ooh, I would say at least 10. Wow. Ryan? Six. I said, I think eight. <laughs> anyway, all right. So the next one is there is no argument for the Premier League as the best league in the world. Fair or foul? Foul. Explain. Um, I think EPL is like one of – even though there are times where there's teams that run away with the league, it's still fun to watch in way of like the way the game is in England is played. So to just say it's not one of the best leagues anymore is just total BS. No, I'm not sorry. So I'm not saying it's not one of the top leagues. So the statement is, is there an argument that is the best league? Oh, agree? okay. Let me restate that. Uh, I think it's one of the better leagues out there, yeah. I mean, so I think it's fair. I mean, it's even though league teams walk with the league sometimes, but just watching, like, the way English football is played is just amazing to watch. Wait, so you're saying there is an argument for the Premier League as the best league, correct? Yes. Then that would be, that would be foul because the statement says there's no argument. <laughs> Sorry. Oh. All right. What do you? It's all good. I'm running three or four hours of sleep right now, ladies and gentlemen. It's fine. I I didn't do a good job explaining it. Ryan, what would you say? All right, repeat the question one more time. There is no argument for the the Premier League as the best league in the world. Oh, that's foul. Um, first of all, the Premier League title is the most prestigious title title in all sports. Uh, sorry, not the Stanley Cup, not the Super Bowl, not the World Series, not the NBA Finals. The Premier League is the league that everybody wants to win. Everybody knows who wins it. Um, it's got the biggest clubs in the world, the most massive thing, um, the most massive fan bases and followings of, of combined. I mean, I know Barca Madrid have bigger all fan bases than any team in the league. Um, I, I just think, yeah, I think there's an extremely high argument for it to be made. This year, eh, not really. But, you know, I, I think um, – I think, yes, there is a very, very easy argument to be made, especially because the Premier League title, the title alone is the most prestigious championship. Yeah, I would agree. I think it's foul. I think, do I think it's the best league in the world? I don't, but the argument's there. The argument's certainly there. Um, I think you could challenge the argument with Italy or Germany or some other ones, but you know, it's, it's right there with the rest of them. So I would say foul, but I was just curious to see what the, I mean, these hot takes for a reason. Um, All right. So, uh, Danielle, you probably won't be able to answer this one. Um, All right. uh, Okay. You want me to keep going? So, what's 
Yeah, what's the question? Um, KD, uh, uh, Kevin De Bruyne is already better than Gerard Lampard and Skulls. Foul. Um, yeah, foul. I, sorry, it took me a while to hesitate. That should no foul, foul. Yeah, uh, yeah. I think he's he's probably better than Skulls because I think Skulls is the weakest out of the three. But I don't think he's. I mean, he's great. And by the end of his career, could he be better? Absolutely. But I, I you can make it. I don't think he's anywhere close to touching Gerard, though. And I, I don't think there's any question about that. I mean, Steven Gerard, you know, we, we, me and you talk about it all the time, Elliot. Um, probably the best pure um, – would you agree, probably the best pure passing midfielder I've ever seen in my lifetime? Yeah. It, so, well, you know, I don't, I, I don't think – one 1A for me as well. Yeah. So, no, I don't think he's there yet. Not even close. Yeah, I don't think so. I think his style as well. But uh, I think he's better than the Skulls. I think potentially, I mean, his career could continue and he could continue to do what he does. If KDB continues to play the way he does, maybe he could surpass all three. Um, but I agree with you. I think he surpassed Skulls already. And we're going to get heat for that. But, you know, I, I truly believe that. So um, those are my three um, for this week. Yep. All right. Um, so I do have um, your underground football of the week. All right. For sure. Um, this time it's a, a, and this this probably will never happen ever again. But uh, my underground football over the week is Roger Ibanez from Roma. Um, we got him from Atlanta last season, uh, this season in January. Um, really, really talented guy, but just still doesn't have the respect uh, around him just because he hasn't played enough um, for people to start seeing how good he is. But um, like I said uh, in the opening, he's an absolute animal. Um, he he does have a mistake in him, um, and that's going to happen with a young player. He's 21 years of age, and I think Roma might have found their future back there. Um, I think the way he runs around and, and, and makes tackles and, and makes the, the strikers that he goes up against uncomfortable really shows true qualities of the player that he can be. Um, he's still really raw and young and all this other stuff, but in a few years, I mean, there'll be bigger clubs that are probably going to be looking at him, but hopefully not for a while because I think he could establish himself really, really good well in, in, in Roma and Syria. All right. Uh, fair enough. Um, do we have fan questions this yeah. week? Um. Hey, apologies. Uh, we're trying to get Danielle back, but if she doesn't join us, um, she's had some technical difficulties getting connected. So um, we do apologize for that. But she will be on for the full show again next week, as All always. All right. Since it's just you, I'm gonna I'm gonna start with this one. Who are your your biggest football influences, and why? Mm. How many can uh, I get? Five. Okay, they're all going to be Arsenal. Um, Tony Adams is number three. Um, I just love I love his leadership factor. I love his commitment and like love for for my football club. Um, I think he's probably the best. Pro, yeah, I'll go ahead and say it. I might get heat. He's the best captain in Premier League history. 
because he did win two Premier League titles with us. Um, he, I don't know, it's just, it's unreal. Um, the leadership and loyalty that he showed to Arsenal Football Club. Um, number two would probably be uh, Thomas Rizicki. Um Out of the Emirates era, I, I always go back and forth between him and Gazola as my two favorite players of all time because, like, the, you know, those are the ones, like, I remember the most. But he just, you know, overcoming injury and, like, still getting out there and trying every single match. You know what I mean? I mean, you remember, Elliot, he was hurt all the time, but he would always come out there, and every time he was out there, he'd always boss it. And, like, he'd make every single Arsenal fan, you know, like, so proud. Um, you know, everything – uh, yeah, so it'd probably be two just for like the perseverance factor. And I can I have four. I have a one A and a and a, and a one. My one A is Terry Henry. Um, you just want to strive to be great like that. You just want to have that work ethic all the time. Um, you know, um, just to push and motivate and be great and to be the best at what you do. Because in in his time, he and me and Elliot have this debate. He's probably the best uh, pure goal scorer in Premier League history. Yes, even better than Aguero and, and Cher. Um, so, yeah, number two would probably be t- – one A would probably be Terry Henry. And number one, there's a, no surprise, is Arsene Wenger. Um, man was at the club for 22 years. Um, literally, like, left when I uh, – lit- literally left when I was 22. Um, I've known nothing – it's so weird because I've known up this point I, – I became an Arsenal fan in 2008. I've known nothing, nothing except for Arsenal about Arsene Wenger. And it's, like, the weirdest thing when he left, you know um, – I think just like his – I think he – Arsene Wenger for all three things is why he's my number one. It's the perseverance, the loyalty, and the drive for greatness is why I love and respect the man so much. Um, yeah, good good list. Um, I'm not going to go in particular. I'm just going to say my five. Um, uh, okay, I guess I'll, I'll, I'll n- number them. But the- um, Johan Cruyff would be number one. Um, you know, being a Roman fan with, with Totin de Rossi, obviously – uh, I'm, I'm heavily influenced by those ones. Um, but with everything being said, Cruyff I, I, took me to a place where I loved football, where from there to I want to make my life about football. I, so when I started doing the writing stuff and all this stuff and I started learning about football and watching the games with more of like a scientific factor to it. Uh, so Cruyff is always going to be my number one influence. Um, number two, um, you can't go wrong with Daniela De Rossi. Um, he represented the entire city of Rome. And when not the most talented guy, um, someone who, who you could see in a grocery store, just, he didn't have that look of like, he's a footballer, but he worked as hard as anyone in history. And for that, he's, he's always going to be in my list. Um, Toti would be number three. Um, we talked about this in the, in the, the shots fired episode. He played for the, 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 the people of Rome. Um, he was the best player ever in Rome. He grew up a Roma fan. He idolized the, the former Roma uh, uh, captain before him, and he got to live out his dream for 20 years. Um, he got the one title, just the one, a uh, couple Copa Italias, but the, the, his, his name in the city is everything. He is just – you can't say Rome without Toti. That's – that's the impact he has had and on my life. Obviously, when I saw him, you know, it was, it was love at first sight, essentially. Um, number four would be R9 Ronaldo. Um, and the big reason um, he is my number four is 
he was the star of my first ever World Cup, 2002, uh, South Korea and Japan. He was, he was the big star. And I'm like, then that moment I knew, you know, this, is, this football thing is, is crazy and amazing. And seeing a world-class performance like that after he had, he had done so poorly the time before, um, it will, he'll always be in my top five just because uh, he, he, was the, he was the first star that I knew really in, in the World Cup sense uh, that I got to see. Um, and number five would be, jeez, uh, I would go, I mean, it's, it's I'm going to, uh, one, eight, okay, so I have, I have, I have two, I'm going to say Messi or Ronaldo. Messi's the greatest player of all time and, and is an under, undersized, small guy who wasn't supposed to be the greatest in history. Uh, and Cristiano Ronaldo, his work ethic, his dedication to keeping his body at the top level and working incredibly hard and going from that, you know, in, from Madeira to Manchester United to Real Madrid to now Juventus. His, his story is one that's going to be retold and retold in history just because of how much he had to sacrifice and work to get there. Um, all right. So, Danielle, the question is, who are your biggest influences in football? Oh, hang on. I got to say something. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Cannon Snakes in the Olympico featuring technical difficulties. <laughs> right, fair enough. Fair enough. I had, I had to because if that's the story of our podcast, pretty much. It wouldn't be an episode without technical difficulties. Um, my, okay. I mean, you guys have probably like the greatest like players from the past, but I'll like from what I've the my. No, influence... I know. You, you want my list really quick? Yeah. What did you get? Uh, Tony Adams, uh, Thomas Rizicki, um Thierry Henry, and Arsene Wenger. Okay, and I I came in on yours, Elliot. So oh, mine. Did you, um, did you hear my full list? Uh, you had Tulti, Cryoff, um, yeah, I pretty much heard yeah, a majority okay. of it. Go but, ahead, then. You just think stuff. of people that you you that inspired you on in terms of football. I know it's not been the longest, you know, but you know, you have five years of of players that you've seen. So, anyway, go take it okay, away. Okay, first. Okay, I think first and foremost, I would have to go. I mean, he isn't as prolific as he was when I fell in love with this player and which started my love of football. Elliot, you probably know who I'm going to go with. Christian Benteke. Um, he, He was the one who pretty much set my love of the sport in motion. Um, Number two, I would say... Moro Icardi, yeah, I'm gonna get heat for that, but I really don't right care because you liked football. Mario Icardi made you love football, just from my perspective. Exactly. I mean, he he is one of the greatest clinical strikers of all time. Um, he just he did a lot for Inter during my tenure as watching him play and stuff. Um, I would say number three. Kylian Mbappe, he's he him and I are may not be the greatest right now, and so he's kind of like me. We're striving for greatness and striving to be better than we were the day before. So he's inspired me to like just 
even if life gets tough, just to keep going and just fight for your dreams and goals. Um, number four, can it, can they also be managers yeah, too? Okay. Or former, like, okay. One is Javier Zanetti. Javier Zanetti proved to enter that age is only a number when it comes to your, the, the passion. He is one of the oldest players that retired with Inter showing that he has heart and determination and he's done really good, a really good job with us as a president. Um, and number five, um, I would have to say Lionel Messi too, because he is one of the greatest footballers of all time. He's the underdog story, like was told he wasn't supposed to make it in this um in this sport, but yet he went out and proved people wrong, just like I am. Cause yeah, right now I'm knocked down, but just wait for the comeback. Cause people wish I had stayed down. Very good. Uh, All right. I'm going to start with you this time. Hey, Ollie. Yeah. Can I add one more? Yeah, go ahead. I don't know. Can you? <laughs> yeah, I, because I, 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 I shared a fifth too. And people think I'm going to joke about oh, this. I need one more, um, too, actually. Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, uh, it's actually um, um, Maldini. Um, Maldini's probably the best purely gifted football I've ever seen in my life. And just the beauty and grace and style the way he played the game, it was was outrageous. You know, I mean, and I saw older Maldini. I can't imagine what younger Maldini, you know, must have been like. But like in terms of like pure skill for the for the sport, I've never seen anybody better. So he'd be my That's number good. five. By the way, young Maldini was no joke. I saw him when I was a kid. Monster. Um anyway, um oh I only have one. I want I'm gonna add Haji. Uh, the Romania um, a king, I guess, um, just because of my heritage and what he was able to do with, with teams that had no business going deep in World Cups and getting to a, uh, a quarterfinal and, and just being, you know, amazing in that country. So that'd be mine. Um, anyway, so, Daniel, I'm going to start with you first. And I've asked you this question before multiple times, so um, you, you, you should have a good idea of what you're going to answer this with. Um, what three players from your league would you build your team around? And all the players have to be under the age of 25. Okay. Bastoni, Baragi, and Esposito. Of, of, of the entire league. <laughs> oh, of the entire league? Okay. Okay. Um, Zapata, Bastoni, and Tanali. Okay. Actually, forget the under twenty-five thing. It can be from whoever, but it has to all be from the league. Well, I'm, go ahead. I'm actually going to keep mine under twenty-five if that's, that's okay. I'm going to uh, keep mine under the twenty-five too. It's about to twenty. I'm going to do. That's why I changed it. But that's fine. That's a good. That's uh, Trent Alexander uh, Arnold. Okay. All right. So maybe Trent Alexander Arnold, Mason Greenwood. And who else would I build it around? Oh, Mark Nelly. All right. Very good choice. That'd be my three. Um, yeah. I'm going to go with DeLitt. Um, 
let's go uh, Zaniolo and Fabio Ruiz. All right. I, I actually like all three of those. Yeah. I would have said Dabala, but he—he's one year older than I need him to be. Um, yeah, I've actually—I've had this conversation with many people before, and my answer has changed. But Fabian Ruiz and Delitter are always, always my first two choices. Um, and Daniel. Yeah, well, for, for, go ahead. For me, Green Greenwood and Trenton will always be my first two until they're twenty-five. Right, and then I—I I don't even think it's a question. No, that's fair. I mean, in the Premier League. I just think in Italy, we have a yeah. lot of young players in that age group, so it's, it's, it's a more difficult question for me, at least. Because in the Premier League, yeah. I think it's, it's more or less the, the same names. Um, all right. Uh, on the AAC Milan front um, – oh, oh, Daniel, you went already. Sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm losing my mind. Um, should – should uh, Wait, you had one? No, I, I, thought, I thought you'd gone I, – I forgot you, I forgot that you didn't go uh, – whatever. Forget it. All right. Should Milan have kept Pioli as manager? Um, whoever wants to go, go ahead. What was the question? Uh, should Milan have kept Pioli as manager? Let me no. think about this. Explain. Do I need to hear why? Uh, you don't. I guess you don't have to. I'll go. I'll go next then. Um, no, no, because Maldini hired him, and anything Maldini's done recently has not been great. So, I mean. That's my, I, yeah, I don't, do. Do I think he should have been sacked? No, I don't. I think it's unfair to do that. But given the situation and given the fact that they have a good manager coming in, that's going to also handle Maldini's responsibilities. I think it's worth it. But I want to add to that. I think Pioli should get a good job um, this season. Um, I don't know what that is, but oh no 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 no! I, I oh sorry for interrupting. I would, I, if I was Sorrentino, I would take him over to Rossi right now because at least I know he's got experience. And he's been there already. Um, so, yeah. yeah, I think I think he deserves a big job. He's he's changed the mental part of this team. Um, so I think – I don't know what jobs are going to become available, um, but he should be able to uh, to, to have, a, have a really good, uh, comfortable job in Serie A for sure. Um, can, can, I, can I add a suggestion? Yeah, go ahead. For a job for him, and I know this job's going to be available because of the manager they have currently right now. West Ham United are trying to become a big club and turn things around mentally, and that'd be a really good job. It's a club in London; they have a decent amount of spending. You know, I I could really see him taking that job, and you know, the mental trajectory of that club go yeah, up. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. I his his win loss record is not the best, but I think he's a really fabulous manager. He's done Inter. Um, it was. Daniel, he was your second manager, and I thought he did a good job with that team. He did a great job with Lazio. He did a good job with Florentina. He's done a good job with Milan. Um, but I think, you know, he deserves a, a, a job like that, at least with the funds to, to do stuff, because he didn't have the funds, at least in some of those places. Um, yeah. Daniel, uh, go ahead. Do you think they should have kept him, or was it the right decision? I, I mean, I think it was the right decision, considering the circumstances. Um, I do hope he gets a decent job because he's still a good manager. And the only real reason I really don't remember him much with Inter is because he was only there for a short time. So I really didn't get a chance, much of a chance to really see him do his stuff. Yeah, it was um, – I don't know if you remember this um... – 
Do you remember the, the? I think it was your your first or second season following Inter, and it was like right. It was that was the year Roma and Florentina and Inter looked like they were going for the title, and then we all screwed up and let Juventus um, come from out out of nowhere and win it again. Uh, but he was the manager that that season where they were in. Uh, I think you guys were in first place until uh, Christmas, and then. Yeah, I vaguely remember that. Like, I don't. I mean, like, that, I really didn't start until I started blogging. I really haven't paid much attention. That was Daniel. That was the year that Matt, my brother, made the, the funny video. Oh yeah, that one. Okay, now I remember. Okay. Um. All right. Okay. I'm sorry, my brain's a little slow today. Yeah, mine too. Um. Let's see here. Uh, I just got. Uh, hold on. I got. Uh, I just got one more. Um. Outside of your own, what is your favorite derby in Europe? Oh, that's easy. Uh, uh, old Firm Derby, Celtic Rangers. Danielle, do you need some help? Because I can give you some examples if you don't. No. I kind of have an idea where I'm going. But first, okay, go I, my brother, I think, is grilling. First, I think my brother's grilling steak and I'm smelling it and I'm starting to drool over it. So first, just ignore the steak. Um, I... I would have to say, uh, besides my derby, one of my favorite derbies outside of my own is the North London Derby, Tottenham versus Arsenal. That's a, that's a, I agree with that. Um, I'm going. I'm going South America. I'm going uh, Boca Juniors River Plate for me. Oh, hey, no, wait, wait, that, wait, that's a that's a cheat. It said European Derby. All right, fine. Um, <laughs> hold on, just give me a sec. Uh, da, da, da. All right. Uh, and our classical doesn't count. Red Star, a, a partisan, does that count? Yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. I'll go, I'll go with that one. Sure. Um, all right. All right. Now it's my turn. Um, my doggy of the week, Slavin Village, what are you doing? West Brom, had, West Brom is, was on the cusp of getting promoted, and they had Huddersfield and Queens Park. Two teams that were absolute crap, and they go out and put a performance in like that today and lose two to one. Now Brentford are right on their heels, and they don't control West Brom. No longer control their own destiny. What an you can't get your team organized to beat Huddersfield? Are you kidding me? You don't deserve to get promoted. Do you have a player of the week? No. <laughs> player of the week? Uh, oh, lack is that? Um, he scored a goal in the North London Derby, um, and he scored a goal against Liverpool. So he's my player of the week. All right, Danielle. Do you have any of them? <laughs> okay. Donkey of the week. I don't really have a donkey of the week. Player of the week goes to Alexis Sanchez, who has really stepped up for Inter lately. And if hopefully he's given another chance to come back on next season, because he's just an amazing player and he's not, reach his full potential yet with right. us. Real quick, I want to ask you a follow-up question just real fast because I forgot about it. Alexis Sanchez, the, the price tag is the price tag is twenty five million for the next season. Would you do it? Yes. All right. Fair enough. I just wanted to ask you. Um, oh, I guess it's my turn. Uh, donkey of the week is Juventus. You go up two nil after twelve <laughs> minutes. And you even at one point throughout the game are losing 3-2 just like that. Um, it was really a despicable performance. They were lucky to even be in that game. 
if they started to ball it from the, the beginning, I don't think they would have, um, would have, um, you know, even, you know, gotten the point. Uh, uh, Sassuolo, I don't think would have gotten the point. Um, so I, Juventus, they were just awful. Um, player of the week, I will go with. I could, e- I could easily pick someone on my own team, but I'm not going to do it. I'm going to go Mario uh, Pasolet from Atlanta. Chelsea decided, didn't think that he was good enough to play for them. And, you know, he's just been fabulous ever since he's been in Italy. Uh, scored a hat trick. I don't care who it was against. He's just been quality all season. So I'd be mine. All right. Well, thank you very much for listening, ladies and gentlemen. That's our show. Well, I want to, um, Ryan, can I just say one thing? Yeah. Right. Um, so I, I don't usually do this because um, this is not my style, but um, unfortunately, my sister has contracted the coronavirus. So if um, just keep me and my family in your thoughts. And uh, yeah, so I just wanted to say um, just uh, just think positive vibes and hopefully she uh, by next week, she won't have it anymore. But um, anyway, I just wanted to um, the, the viewers are important to me and um, all that. So I, I just wanted to, to, to mention that. All right. Well, everybody keep mad in your thoughts. Um, we're pulling for her and I know and I know she'll be able to get through this. She's a tough fighter. So, um, everybody keep Elliot in your thoughts and prayers and, um, yeah, um, please, please, please take good care of yourself. Wash your hands, wear a mask. Wear if you're a going mask. Out in public. <laughs> if I have to know that, what'd you say? Wear a mask. I said wear a mask. Oh yeah, please do it. Um, I agree with that Danielle hundred percent. Um, so yeah, take care of yourselves, people. Um, enjoy the football this weekend, and we'll talk to you next week. Have a good night, everybody. Come on, Arsenal. <laughs>